welcome back to Create Space, a podcast that finds joy in the art of storytelling. So today I have a very special guest with me today. This is Tijuana Hardwell. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me back to a school that I absolutely love. <laughs> absolutely. We are broadcasting here from the Elliott School of Communication podcast studio. Tijuana is an alum of the Elliott School, as am I. And so we'll talk about that as time goes on. But let me first tell you a little bit about Tijuana and, and kind of why I wanted to have you on the show. Tijuana is an entrepreneur, has been since 2010, 2011. I think. 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is the founder and principal consultant for Mamarazzi Communications. And my connection with Tijuana is, again, we did cross over in undergrad. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this earlier because neither of us can figure out if we've met or not (laughs) in person. Uh, But we have a lot of mutual friends, and it just felt like you kept popping up as, like, someone you might know, someone you might know. Um, And we have just again, have the Elliott School connection and working in the same industry. So on Instagram, I've kind of been following your journey and your career and your story. And I just thought like, I, I want to ask her to come. Like, I just want to. And you seemed approachable. So I took the risk. So Tiwana, you've done, again, entrepreneurship since 2011. Um, Mamarazzi Communications, I believe I read was 2020 was like the official. Yes, that was the official, the formation. 2020. Yes. So my first business was Mamarazzi Entertainment Magazine, which I started in 2011. Okay. And I was at the same time still doing a lot of uh, public relations work and also marketing work. But when I realized that this was my bread and butter and that I was doing a lot of that work um, and, of course, just shifting and in, in, in times, I became a lot more passionate about the marketing and PR space more so than just the magazine. And so it created a great opportunity for me to go ahead and make it official. So in 2020, went ahead and um, got my LLC for Mamarazzi Communications. And awesome. So now that serves as the umbrella for everything that I do. Okay, okay. So let's go back a little bit and start with, so 2011, I mean, you had just graduated college. Yes, yes. So you were young. I feel like becoming an entrepreneur that soon out of college, like that sounds terrifying to me. What was the story there? What made you decide to go that route? So I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I also knew that I wanted to be in the communication space. A lot of people are like, you always knew what you wanted to do. And as crazy as that sounds, I did since middle school. Um, And so going into high school, I selected some journalism programs under Ron Russell over at Wichita South High School. Um, But I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and be in control of how I told stories. Um, I also knew that I wanted to uh, be able to have some some freedom. And although I was working a nine to five at the same time that I was launching Mamarazzi Entertainment Magazine, Lou Hellman was actually the one who told me, he was like, you know, the world is in your hands. At that time, we had social media and it was a big thing and people were producing blogs and all kinds of online content at the time. And so it was probably Lou that gave me this this crazy belief that I could launch a business right out of high school. Um, But it ended up working and uh, had great readership, was able to bring on a ton of advertisers and sponsors. Uh, It was a hip-hop and urban entertainment magazine. And I was just really fortunate. And I believe the Elliott School of Communication truly prepared me to be able to do that. Um, The connections that I had right here in Wichita, Kansas, um, also empowered me to be able to take that leap and to do that right out of college. Yeah. 
So that was, again, you said hip-hop and urban entertainment. Yes. Um, so were, are you a musician or would you just have an no, interest in music? I've been growing up as a, uh, especially during my years as, you know, a teenage girl, um, I always found myself reading uh, reading magazines and newspaper. I always was inspired by reading other people's stories. And so um, I just felt that, it, and it kind of is like what you're doing now, when you get an opportunity to to learn about someone's story, it inspires you in different ways. And I was a young girl looking for some inspiration. Um, I was the first in my family to go to college. I was also the first to start a business. Um, there were so many ways that reading magazines and newspaper and reading stories online just opened a whole world for me uh, and, and introduced me to, uh, to mentors in my head. Um, and so with Deciding to uh, to do hip hop and urban entertainment, I realized that there was a void, and where there were not a ton of publications or media outlets that were covering what hip hop artists from our city were doing. Right. Um, and so I wanted to allow them an opportunity to be able to tell their stories. And many of them, I was their first ever interview. Um, And so there is a artist from Wichita, Kansas, by the name of Donovan Johnson, who is the first independent artist, rap artist from from Wichita to ink a major recording contract. Um, And I was his very first interview, and he was my very first interview. And this is back in, like, high school. Uh, He was only age he was probably 15, and I was maybe 14 at the time. Wow. Um, and so my very first publication was actually a black and white uh, a black and white publication. I think we were calling it a newsletter at the time because it was black and white, and uh, it was called From the Streets, and I wanted to cover different things that were going on in my community and wanted to be able to cover uh, independent recording artists. And so, again, I always say that that gave life to this whole notion that I'd be able to launch a hip-hop and urban, urban entertainment magazine. Yeah. So then that was, you know, carried you through from 2011 for a while. When did it start morphing into the more marketing communications route? So it was because people loved the way that I was marketing and promoting the magazine. So I was constantly being asked to do marketing for different uh, businesses for to help with promoters. And I was getting paid to do this, like, like okay. right out of the gate. And they would pay me. And this is, we now call them influencers, but I didn't see myself as an influencer whatsoever. I was just someone who only saw myself as doing this magazine. But I began uh, getting contacted from business owners, community members who wanted me to interview them uh, or who wanted me to be a part of their marketing and promotions team to where I was asked so often that I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I was like, I have been so focused on this magazine that I've not even recognized the fact that I have a whole nother business. Um, And and that's where Mamarazzi Communications was really born. But I didn't know how long it would go on. I just knew that it never stopped. (laughs) It never stopped. And, And that's when... Again, it, it's it's crazy that it took me so long to go ahead and decide to then put to LLC the Mamarazzi Communications. But from that time, I would say from the beginning of time uh, with doing the magazine, I was already doing it. Gotcha. Um, but 
I realized that maybe my true knack and what I enjoy doing is supporting community members, uh, making sure that I'm helping them with telling their stories, especially when there are issues going on. I really am a grassroots community organizer at heart, and so helping them be able to speak about issues. But then I also enjoyed introducing people um, to the community and also uh, just helping from a marketing perspective with businesses. Uh, there were so many businesses that unfortunately I saw them close their doors. And when you look back, you realize that they were not marketing or they didn't create any uh, PR or public relations opportunities. And so I saw a need to be able to do this, especially in minority communities uh, and also small businesses who don't have a ton of budget. Right. And so it just really um, affirmed that I was going in the right direction and that this was something that I needed to uh, to strongly consider doing full-time, and it is what I do full-time. So from 2011 till now, have you worked any other full-time jobs? Or have yes. You, okay, I didn't know yes. if you were. Yes, yes, yes. I want to make it very clear. I was a poor entrepreneur <laughs> for so many years <laughs> to where a lot of times I was just making enough money uh, to cover the print cost of my magazine. Um, there were times that I was funding the dream with my nine-to-five. And so um, I worked in sales. I, um, uh, okay. I was promoted in almost every job that nice. I ever... But I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so um, I got an opportunity to work in sales. I also got an opportunity to work as a uh, college admissions uh, representative and also uh, to be able to work as a recruiter. And so I was really good at those things. And uh, as, as much as I always knew that I needed to be an entrepreneur, I don't regret any of those jobs because yeah. it gave me the... It gave me the uh, intra uh, perspective to be able to know how to talk to my clients today, right. how to be able to upsell or what are buying signs. Um, it also taught me just to be really in tune with, uh, with what the needs of my customers and clients are. Yeah. So I don't regret those jobs at all. But I was juggling that while trying to fund the dream. So yeah. a lot of times <laughs> I would work these jobs and really what I'd rather be doing is writing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be writing. I'd rather be interviewing. Um, but I was able to, uh, I was able to, uh, to get that going as well. Yeah. To me, what that sounds like, and even as you were talking about, you know, starting as a writer, mm -hmm. more journalistic, and then moving into the marketing communication stuff, to me, that's the Elliott School. Like, we always pride ourselves in being a well-rounded communications strategic education, right? Yes, and, yes. and we want our students to be able to leave and say, I can write, I can speak, I can plan, yes. I can use strategy. And I feel like I see all of that. So, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's let me ask you about that then. So what did the Elliott School do for you or what? Ooh. how did it get you here? I want to make sure that we're not here all day. But... <laughs> Um, Elliott School of Communication allowed me an opportunity to be able to apply what I was learning in the program. And I would also say uh, that it just gave me just 
general confidence, uh, even the feedback that I would get from professors and instructors was something that I took to heart. And it was never malicious anytime I'd get any feedback. In fact, I believe that it made me a better writer. Oh, sure. Um, even today, there are celebrity publicists who reach out to me in order to help them and to do the writing. And I constantly find myself saying, how are you a publicist and you don't write? <laughs> but I'm now realizing that it is very, very common that... Along the way, I don't know when it happened, but there were people who were not, they were not given a curriculum or uh, opportunities that were as well-rounded as what I got an opportunity to receive from Elliott School of Communication. Right. So there are some who they just focused on one thing. I believe that the reason that I am able to take care of so many of my clients and also be able to want to be a one-stop shop for many of my clients is because I had a well-rounded education that I received from Elliott School of Communication. I really yeah. believe that. It seems too, you know, again, I was an Elliott School grad and then worked in the industry for a while and then came back and now I've been teaching for six years. Yes. And it seems like back when we first graduated, it was fairly common for someone to be just hired as just a writer or yes. just an editor or just yes. a, you know, someone who shoots video. And now it seems like you really do, people are wanting someone who can do it all. Say, hey, Absolutely. can you put some content on my website? Can you also write? Can you also do a little bit of design? Yes. Can you, you know, and yes. you're doing all of that, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and again, although my uh, emphasis was on print journalism, because of the way the Elliott School of Communication was set up, you had to explore all of these different opportunities through the program in right. order to obtain your degree. And again, I really attribute it to that. Because I was, I had to take these classes in order to graduate, although my emphasis was on print journalism, I had to go and work over in the newsroom. I had to, I did get an opportunity to work for the Sunflower also. Oh, nice. Um, but you were introduced to so many different opportunities that you were empowered by your professors to go and do this. It wasn't just writing. They also want you to start capturing some video. And so it's kind of funny because now you're, your everyday uh, news reporter has to learn how to do all of that. They have to be able right. to write um, and do the interview. They have to also be able to do video and then turn around and edit. Yep. So very much the IMC experience or the integrated marketing uh, communications uh, experience. But I feel as though Elliott School of Communication paved the way for me to be able to not be the, a one-trick pony. Yeah. <laughs> it allowed me an opportunity to be able to now, not all things did I ever enjoy, but I didn't like doing video editing. I, to be honest with you, I love Canva. I did not enjoy. <laughs> I, do do, I did not enjoy doing layout. I just didn't enjoy doing it. But then I get compliments still to this day about my layout, and I just have the skill set to be able to do it. So even though we have, you know, the we have software now like Canva that allows anyone to be able to design a flyer or a publication, um, I really will say that um, that at least Elliott School of Communication exposed me to opportunities to be able to know how to do it correctly, to be right. able to have an eye for the work that we do. Yes. And I think that's exactly it, having an eye for it. Because yes. Canva makes the technical part easy. Yes. 
But if they you sure still do. don't know what it should look like or what, you know what I mean? Yes. Like what good design looks yes. like, it can yes. still be hard to get right. You know, oh, of course, I can still hear the professors when I'm doing layout. I can still hear them saying, watch your margin, watch yep. your margins. Yeah. And so I can still hear that. So I just know that Elliott School of Communication made me the person who I am today. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's move into um you know, we talked about how the Elliott School is kind of a well-rounded base for you. Yes. Um, and something else that we focus on in this school and still do to this day is is being a good storyteller, Absolutely. regardless of what your medium is, being a good storyteller. So it seems to me that you were telling the stories of these people in your magazine so well that they went, hey, can you help me tell my story to Absolutely. everyone else. So can you tell me a little bit, like when you meet a client for the first time or, or you're getting ready to take on somebody as a client, how do you help them figure out what their story is and the best mm-hmm. way to share it? You know, I, I believe that um, that establishing that rapport with them, I know that when you are meeting with the client, a lot of people are focused on that bottom line. They're right. focused on the money. Right. Um, and that was never my motivation, um, which is probably why I was a poor entrepreneur for the first <laughs> few years. It wasn't about the money. I cared about the their story. And so it's in how you ask the questions. Sometimes by you asking a question, you unlock a whole new vision that Maybe they had started, they knew that they wanted to change direction, or they knew that they became frustrated with an area of their business that was just not serving them well. And in the questions that you ask, when you ask them, have you considered this? Or have you thought about this? Or if we roll this out and introduce this new product or this service, how do you envision that looking? And what do you want? Because, again, I take care of business owners, but they, too, have clients. Right. And so when I begin to ask them, how do you want your clients to feel about this? It allows me an opportunity to help shape that for them. They truly do have their story. They know their story. But because of my skill set, I'm able to help them with with doing that. And so I like to find out about the journey that they were on before they ever reached out to me. Mm -hmm. I want to know about the struggles and the frustrations that they've had in business. I want to know about the different things that they tried and maybe they didn't do the lessons that they've learned. So maybe they didn't uh, succeed with with something that they tried out. I care about that also because... Mm -hmm. I will oftentimes, I have a uh, I have a client now um, who one of the things that she shared with me when I very first started working with her is that she would go and she would do all these vendor booths and she just could not get any clients. She couldn't turn these, she couldn't turn these people who were stopping by her table into clients. Well, I had to, I had to ask these questions about what kind of information are you sharing with them? Right. Um, what marketing materials do you have? Are you doing anything that allows you to capture their information? So as much as I do marketing, I also do business consulting as well. Um, And so in helping her be able to even mention like why she was ever interested in this in the first place allows me to now say, okay, let's tell the story so that when people stop by your table and they're asking you how you came up with this business concept or why you do what you do, you now have you now have the ability to be able to, in a concise manner, share your story that's going to uh, be able to connect. Yeah. People forget that you don't actually buy products. Oh, you absolutely. Buy, you actually buy the story behind the products. Yes, yeah. yes. So sometimes people forget that. And uh, it's just helping my clients be able to tell their story and also be able to connect 
connect to their to their clients and the people who could potentially uh, become their clients and their customers. Absolutely. So I have two specific projects that I would like to ask you about that of I've course. kind of read that you've done. Um, but before I do that, sure. could you do you have any like memorable clients or mm-hmm. um, cool moments over your career that you would want to oh share my. with us? Oh my. Um, here more recently, I uh, began working with um, an apparel line company called One For Us. Okay. And when One For Us brand shared with me about their brand, they actually uh, started a brand uh, shortly after George, the murder of George Floyd. Okay. And one of the things that they shared with me is like how that impacted them. Here we are away in Wichita, Kansas, and they talked about how that impacted them. And they talked also about just that that feeling of, you know, inequalities. And so they created the brand called One For Us in order to be able to advocate for others. And uh, they were inspired by the 14th Amendment. And that is showing up in their apparel line. And when I think about an apparel line, a streetwear brand or an athletic uh, brand, which is, uh, you know, the category that they fall under, that's pretty ballsy to turn around and say that that we are mission-based. And um, I got an opportunity to to meet with them and the more and more they shared about the impact that that story had on them um, and also just what they wanted to be able to do in order to advocate for others, it became apparent that, yeah, they do apparel, but they really care about community. So it was helping them tell the stories, even when it comes to telling the stories of those who they know of who were impacted by injustice, helping them be able to tell that story. And then we, uh, we, put together a public forum that was well attended and it allowed them to be able to connect the dots. So they came to me because they wanted to sell clothes, Mm -hmm. but I was able to help them be able to uh, create a public relations opportunity that shared what they really stand for, what they really care about. And just again, that connection, being able to help one for us brand, be able to do that. And I continue to work with them, but, but watching them go from we sell clothes to we are a mission-based right. apparel line. And so helping them be able to tell that story. So that's one um, that resonates. And then I, the other I would say is during my time of running Mamarazzi Entertainment Magazine, there were so many so many uh, people who I featured who were like, the way that you made me sound in this. I didn't fabricate. I didn't fluff. I wrote a story based on the things that they shared with me, their stories, and they were able to see themselves put on a pedestal. And so they had not, when when you're not often in the news um, or or interviewed, sometimes you forget about your accomplishments. You forget how much you've overcome. And doing that for any of my clients just really doing that for any of the clients or any of the people in the community who I've been able to elevate through the publication has been incredibly rewarding. That's that's a big deal. Like, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I have felt that, um, you know, I've had current students on the mm-hmm. podcast. I've had alums on the podcast. And I've had several of them say different things. And sometimes they don't even say it. Sometimes you can just see it. that yes. They just are kind of like, wow, I didn't think about my story as being yes. important. Or I've yes. never... Um, heard it through that perspective yeah. or seen it through that lens because we have our own, you know, not rose-colored glasses, but just like our own vantage point of who we are Absolutely. that is different than how other people might see us. Absolutely. You know? It can be therapeutic to tell your story. So um, 
of, of course, you know, going through, uh, just putting myself through college, um, having having high moments and also low moments just with uh, with employment where I just knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I would sometimes get frustrated being in some of the nine to five spaces when I really knew what I ought to be doing. I was promoted so often in these spaces is because they recognized and saw my leadership qualities. I was not a quiet employee. So if <laughs> I didn't like something, I went and found the solution in order to make it better. Um, I would sometimes be in these spaces where I would sometimes be in these spaces where I just didn't feel as though we were taking too good of care of some of our customers and our clients. Um, and my role would be to advocate for those customers and those clients. But in um, you know, when, when I think about it, it also made our jobs easier. If you're actually genuinely taking care of people, you're, you're able to do that. So when I get an opportunity to share the story about you know being in these nine to fives, um, but also sharing my story about my time here at Elliott School of Communication and just some of the things that in general, um, whether it's my childhood, whether it's coming from humble beginnings, growing up in Northeast Wichita, people see a different side of their own potential yeah. uh, through, through telling their story. And it's not always easy to address some of those uncomfortable moments in your story. But I realized that my power, my power truly does lie in telling my story. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to receive to receive compliments or to to hear people say, wow, like, you know, I remember when you worked call center back in college and to see you doing this now or to see you on billboards. But I also take the time to tell them that any of those things that you admire about me, you're able to go and to do those things. And I want to help them be able to do that. Yeah. So you mentioned that telling your story can be therapeutic. Yes. Can you tell us the parts of your story that we haven't heard yet. I've heard yes, a lot about your career, yes. but can you tell us, you know, you alluded to it there just a little yes. bit about your childhood and growing mm -hmm. up and where you are now and yes. how all of that yeah. came to be? Absolutely. So I am the second of seven of my parents' children. Oh, wow. Yes, okay, yes, yes. Yeah, and we grew up in a house with a lot of love, um, but we did not have the best uh, financial resources, um, but my parents did all that they could. Um, it was it was amazing growing up, and I wouldn't trade those experiences for nothing in this world. But one of the best gifts that my parents did give to me is that they allowed me to go and you know be a part of organizations that served young people, and that was my opportunity to get connected with so many mentors who I still keep in touch with today. But I grew up in Northeast Wichita on Tenth and Poplar, and. It was not the best uh, neighborhood um, at times, and I knew that I wanted more for myself. Um, and some of the mentors that I was surrounded around, they were in college. I knew that my parents, <laughs> so much so, there was never a question on whether or not I was going to college because I stuck to the fact that that's something that I wanted for myself and that I was going to be able to do it. But my parents had never gone to college. So when it came time to to get ready to go to college, my parents knew I was going, but they didn't know how to get me to college. Right. They that's didn't a whole know process. how to whole that's process. Whole they didn't know how to get me to college. They didn't have the financial means to be able to do that. Um, and then other than that, I would I would say that my mom, my mom, she always tells this story 
uh, that when she graduated high school, she she swore that she would never, ever go to another school again, (laughs) that she would never uh, go into a classroom. So the irony of that is that when I was applying, this is very, very old school because this is back in this is back in 20. Uh, 2005. Right, right. We didn't have like all the online and right. you actually had to come up to the school in order to get registered. And t- you had to do, you had to come in person. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of funny now that I think about it. And so the way that uh, that WSU was set up, my mom actually had to walk into a classroom. And I remember my mom filling out the paperwork. I'll never forget it. She was filling out the paperwork, and she said, I said I would never go into another classroom. I felt like it just started giving her so much anxiety to be in there. But, um, again, was able to get me connected, get me started in uh, in college. I also had amazing professors, Les Anderson. Uh, he, I met him when I was over at Wichita South High School. He also was there holding my hand and, and oh. making making so much happen. How did you um, meet him at me. Wichita South? Um, so he, I, I believe that what happened was there maybe was a scholarship opportunity oh, okay. where Les Anderson actually went over to South High in order to share about the opportunity. Um, and to share about the journalism program, I don't know if maybe they were just pushing students to, you know what, I now remember. So Ron Russell, who was the journalism teacher over at Wichita South High School, has set up an opportunity for us to meet with Elliott School of Communication okay. in order to see if we wanted to pursue journalism as a career and also in order to connect us to Elliott School of Communication. It was oh. almost like a, it felt like a warm transfer. So I yeah. just always knew less. That's so and cool. so I, even when I did come over to WSU, I knew exactly who he was. Um, he knew me. We had a rapport, and I do think that that uh, that helped. Yeah. That helped coming to, especially for a first generation college student. I felt like at least I know less. Yeah, less would go and introduce me to the other professors. Uh, he would make sure I don't even I don't even think Les was my advisor, and I think Les was like, "What classes are you taking?" He still cared. And so, uh, so again, you know, just when I think about my humble beginnings, that's why I pride myself on helping other entrepreneurs, helping other people. Um, I mentor people who are in uh, the communications field. But I care so much about it because I was so lost. Mm-hmm. And if not for the generosity of people like Les Anderson or Ron Russell over at South High, I don't know where I would be. Right. It was the fact that they saw something in me and they helped facilitate, you know, connecting me to the right opportunities and making it a smooth transition. Yeah. Yeah. So so when I think about that, again, humble beginnings um, and just the pride that my parents had when I graduated, the ways that they still support me now. I'm trying not to get <laughs> get too teary, oh, but, but it was something that was really important to me to be able to obtain a college degree. So much so that when I graduated uh, college, my brother was like, I'm next. And so we kind of have a little bit of joke, uh, you know, about like how far are we going in this college education? You know, what do we want to accomplish? And my brother's like, you got this, T. He's just like, you'll go and do it. He's like, at least I have my bachelor's degree. He said you could do whatever you want to do. But but being able to do that, it breaks generational curses. It lets... It lets others, not just your family, but it lets other in the community know that you're able to do it. I still keep in touch with a ton of people who I graduated high school with, and they're like, we already knew that you would be doing this. And the funny thing is I had these goals, these dreams, these aspirations, but you never could have told me that I would be 
at my age already doing what I aspired to do back in high school. Yeah. So yeah. So where I'm trying to think about this. Okay, so your parents didn't go to college. You're, you know, one of seven, I think you said. Yes. And and you kind of said like it was never a question. I always wanted to go to college. Where did this drive come from yeah. within you? Can you is it just something yeah. you were born with? You know, I really my so I <laughs> I always joke about this, but uh, my I was the only one. I, I don't know why. I can't even explain this, but I don't know why. But I was the only one in my family who went to preschool. Really? Yes, That's I was the only you one. Hold that over their head, like, oh, you didn't go to preschool. You, you don't know, know. It's kind of funny because I think my dad told this story a few years ago. I believe that he said that uh, I had a a little bit of a speech problem when I was really, really little. Okay. And so they put me in a preschool. It's kind of funny to, to hear now, but so they put me in a preschool program and I just loved learning and being around um, anything that was just like educational. And my dad used to spend all this time with me uh, as I was, as I was growing up, just, I mean, I didn't like sitting with my dad for homework because he's <laughs> super smart. My dad is super smart. Um, but he would all the rest of my siblings would be playing, doing whatever, hanging out. And my dad is just like, Tijuana, let's let's work on this today. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, if I, I just want to go outside. Yeah. Um, but I believe my dad just I eventually just started loving education, loved learning. And I think that there was also some gratification that I got because my dad loved it. My yeah. dad loved that I was learning. I even this sounds this sounds like bully behavior, but I would make my younger siblings sit in my fictionary class. Like Love I would that. create curriculum for my siblings, um, and whether it's math, English, writing, and so we all did well in school. But my dad went and got me a dry erase board. He. I would even have conferences with my parents. Wow! I am not kidding you. Like I. <laughs> I'm such a Leo, but um, but I would do this to where I would tell my parents. I would my dad would go and buy. Let me say anything. I told him dry erase markers. I gave him a whole list of what I wanted for my class, and I would bring them in. And we had a whole schedule. It was a whole day. I love that. It was a whole day, but we I I did let them go for recess and breaks <laughs> and all of that. I really built this, especially during the summer, and so. I just think that education just really mattered a lot to me. It mattered a lot to my dad. Uh, I shared with you earlier, my mom said she was never going back into a classroom, but my mom was still supportive. Yeah. She still knew. I, I don't know. There was just something to where they knew that I cared so much about education that I would go on to go to college. It was just the how. Yeah. It was the how. It sounds like, and, you know, as a, as a parent myself, I feel yeah. like for me, the the biggest thing I can hope to do for my kids is recognize their skill yes. or their desire or whatever. Yes. And it feels like your parents at a very young age yes. saw that in you and yes. were like, okay, we're fostering this yes. because yes. we see this, yes. which is like kudos to them. Yes. I mean, you yeah. Know? I mean, I, I think that, you know, as I shared with you, um, I'm the first in my family to go to college, but I think that the seeds that my parents planted was like, you go forth and you go do this. And um, it just was never a question. I made the grades. Um, again, South High was great education also. I had Ron Russell, mm -hmm. who, again, I think if I, I don't think I had a, it didn't feel like a choice. It just 
really felt as though that was the natural thing for me to go forth and do. Uh, when I was in high school, Ron Russell, uh, my journalism teacher over at Wichita South High, would send me to KU in order to take mock journalism classes. Oh, cool. So I think because I was also doing that during the summer when I was in high school. I don't know if they still do this program. I would hope that they do, but it was mock journalism classes. So I spent my summers going uh, to, to KU and taking these classes. They weren't credited, but it still allowed me an opportunity to go and practice journalism. Yeah. And uh, I want to say that by my junior year in high school— Ron Russell had already set up having me complete scholarship applications. So I had some, I had a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. Um, I had writing, uh, I got scholarships for writing when I was in high school. I I think that those are the reasons that it just wasn't a shock. It was just like, okay, she's going to do it. Yeah, you were just guided (laughs) that direction. I was guided. I would definitely say I was guided. I mean, there was wanting to do it, but there was also... When, when adults rally around young people, all of those fears, the doubts on whether or not you can do it, I think that those just get tossed to the side and it becomes just how. How can we help you? Yeah, yeah. it's such a big deal. And yeah. sometimes, I mean, I'm 36 and so I'm well into adulthood, right? But like yeah. sometimes I still feel weird thinking, like even with my college students, thinking, wait, I'm the adult rallying yes. around the kids now. Like, <laughs> It feels weird, yes. but it seems to me like you have fully embraced that yes. now as recognizing yes. the mentorship that you received yes. and being so willing and gracious and generous yes. to give that back. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Because if, you know, if we are to expect people to break general, generational curses, you know, I, I don't like using the word generational curses, but sometimes they are. Sometimes people only go as far as what they've seen their families go. For yeah. me, there was something that I believe that my parents, I mean, again, so much love and support in that household when I think back to that. Um, so much so much community around me also. Um, I was involved in an amazing organization by the name of Hope Street Youth Development. Okay, um, sure. It's no longer. But, again, it exposed me to different opportunities. I was going to Washington, D.C. and to Chicago to speak about uh, youth organizing um, in order to help others be able to um, solve issues and find solutions. And someone would say, what? You were doing this in high school? But I was. Yeah. I was doing these things in high school. And um, I would get hired to go to Chicago when I was in high school to go talk about grassroots community organizing because that the organization I was involved in exposed me to these opportunities. And I was constantly in newspapers when I was in high school. And that was normal for me. That was wow. normal for me, um, doing different things in my high school. If there was somebody I didn't like in my high school, I was solving those issues in the high school level. So leadership qualities um, were there. And again, my parents allowing me an opportunity to be able to go and to do that. Yeah. Um, in thinking about a lot of your leadership development and, and also how you're willing to help other people develop their own leadership skills, yes. um, it brings me to, you know, just this week, what you've been busy with. I've been kind of following it on <laughs> yes, social media. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, Wichita Startup Week, is that yes, what it's called? Yes, Wichita Startup Week. So tell tell me about that and tell me yes. about what your role is yes. in that. Yes, so Wichita Startup Week is presented by Coke Industries, and um, it's a part of the uh, tech, tech stars. Um, and so 
I am the marketing lead for Wichita Startup Week. Okay. Last year, I was invited to be a presenter, and so I got an opportunity to talk about diversity and marketing. And one, and I think that this is also why I kind of got there, but like uh, to to the role that I'm in uh, this year. But one of the things that I mentioned is about how amazing it is that there is free programming for a whole week for the city's entrepreneurs. And I mentioned about how, you know, I wanted to make sure that more and more, uh, especially minority entrepreneurs, are connected to these resources and anyone in a marginalized community, that they are connected to these resources. And so I was asked to come on board and to help with marketing. And I really, really want to thank the organizing team of Wichita Startup Week for seeing something in me and giving me an opportunity to be able to give back. This year, not only did we see greater diversity, we also saw amazing numbers in those who came out. And it was something that I took a lot of pride in. So to get an opportunity to see so many diverse entrepreneurs, diverse not even just in race, but even in... Uh, we had a amazing presenter uh, by the name of Chris Weekly who spoke about autism and employment oh. and about how it can be a huge, huge advantage. Getting an opportunity to hear from entrepreneurs like that, I think, is even it, – it shows a different uh, side of all of the possibilities that exist in entrepreneurship. And I just love Wichita even more to know that we have something here that invests back into our entrepreneurs, brings these incredible speakers and presenters, and ensures that there's something for everyone. There's something for everyone, whether you are starting up or whether you're wanting to grow your business, or maybe you want to take care of your customers a lot better, or you want to better understand how to improve your customer's buying journey. We had it all going on this week. So we actually wow. just got done with that a, a little bit earlier today. Um, but it was just the energy was just amazing. And again, um, those are the types of things that happen in our city that just make you uh, love the opportunities that, that exist here. Yeah, I, I love that. And thank you for fitting us in for the recording. Yes, like, I know you've no, had such fine. a busy week <laughs> with everything going on. And that actually leads me to the next campaign, I guess, that I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Um, is that kind of as I've kind of been watching your stuff on social media and everything, it something that I see a lot is that a lot of, and hearing you talk, a lot of the things that you take on are very intentionally, very intentional in the sense of they either build Wichita, mm -hmm. or they build, again, um, minority people yes. or people who just might need a little extra help, people who are trying to do a startup. Um, and so I wanted to talk, I feel like just cultural and community elevation mm -hmm. has kind of always been a driver for you. Yes. So I wanted to talk about the Facts Over Fear campaign. Yes. Facts Over Fear. That's what it's called, right? Um, facts Not Fear. ICT. Facts Not Fear. Ah, yes. almost. I got the wrong word in there. No, you're um, right. But, yeah, I know. So that was in 2020. So tell me a little bit about – I remember seeing Facts Not Fear all over Wichita. Mm -hmm. I did not know at the time that you were the one behind it. Yes. But tell me what that is and what the relevance and importance of that campaign was to the Wichita area. Absolutely. So it is no secret whatsoever that um, – People more closely resonate to uh, traditional news media or um, other things in news when, when the writers or the contributors include them, um, you know, make sure that they have a voice, also the writers as well. And it's no different than getting a message out to them about health. And so Facts Not Fear ICT really focused on making sure that there was COVID-19 uh, preven uh, prevention, uh, different resources, whether it be 
connecting them to different opportunities. If, for example, they were a business that was in danger of being closed down uh, due to lack of finances. So connecting them there. But Facts Not Fear ICT's primary goal was to to lessen the impact of COVID-19. When you have minority community members, you have to make sure that you create material that is culturally sensitive. Yeah. Um, so it's it's huge. It's major. The ways that every community reacts differently to things. So just being mindful of that, making sure that you include their voices at the table and you allow these communities an opportunity to be able to be responsible for how they articulate the different things that uh, would be able to lessen, again, uh, the impact of COVID-19 or anything as it relates to health. Um, when we think about when we think about uh, preventative measures or getting any kind of news and information out there, it's important to make sure that we consider all of the voices. And so this is not just as it relates to minority communities. This could mean that when we are creating flyers, that we make sure that we and that we also uh, Im- involve the disabled community, right. uh, making sure that we create information that if you're going to put out health information, we should probably also be thinking about the fact that we have a large Spanish-speaking community in this city as well. Absolutely. Yes, yes. After meeting with, again, uh, Chris Weekly, uh, I got an opportunity to meet him this week uh, as a part of Wichita Startup Week. I, too, uh, am realizing the different ways that I can help my clients be able to advocate, even as as they are, whether they're hiring or whether they're doing messaging, making sure that we also consider the needs of other people uh, that are not always uh, considered when we mm-hmm. are creating material. Um, so, again, just being intentional about that. And so Facts Not Pure ICT was successful in making sure that we were able to increase the number of minority people who did go and get the vaccine, um, but also making sure that when they were setting up testing centers and also uh, vaccine, that they went to those communities. Communities have a ton of different um, barriers. And again, uh, not just minority communities, but just disenfranchised communities uh, in general. So making sure that we worked with the uh, with health departments um, and other health providers in order to make sure that they went to communities uh, that needed it most. And yeah. so it's work that I'm really incredibly proud of. Um, the intentionality behind it is in knowing that we had a huge, huge uh, workload to make sure that we were getting messaging out that was culturally sensitive to these various communities. And so um, for my company to, uh, you know, to be involved in that, I already had a seat at the table um, as people from Wichita Black Alliance were uh, at the table in 2020, just looking to be able to find ways that we were able to make sure that people in the African-American community took it very seriously, that they had the resources, that they knew where to go for testing and the vaccine. But because of the work that we were able to do with the marketing and communications to these communities, there were other marginalized communities that also reached out to us and said, we've got to expand this and we've got to be able to make this available for others as well. Wow. So it was a blessing to get an opportunity to do that. And I really do believe that it saved lives. Um, and it also it also changed just uh what some other um, what some other government entities and organizations how they'll go from years to come on making sure that they consider um, a, again marginalized communities when they are creating material and even when they're doing outreach efforts. Right. 
Yes. You know, it's interesting. It makes me think of um, I teach a website design class. Yes. And for a section of it, we talk about accessibility and website accessibility Absolutely. and things like that. And there was an article, and I, I can't remember where it was from, but there was a quote in the article that said, if you are not intentionally including, then you are unintentionally excluding. And I thought that was really interesting because I think sometimes um, when somebody approaches a company or a, a, some, um, you know, a website that's been built or whatever and says, you know, hey, you need to be more accessible, sometimes we get defensive and we're like, we're not trying to exclude people. Yes. We're not, you know, yes. but a lot of times it's that you don't know what other people need. Absolutely. So taking the time to learn, you know, because mm -hmm. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine um, and she was telling me about how her family was kind of um, resistant to getting the vaccine. And I was like, why? Like, why are you nervous about that? About that? She's like, well, the history of healthcare and minority populations mm -hmm. is not good, right? Absolutely. And she was kind of talking me through that. And I was like, oh man, I didn't yes. even Yes. Think about that. Yes. So I think that's really cool that you were able to bring that to people who just normally it just wouldn't have crossed their mind. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. But I will also say the experience of working on the Facts Not Pure ICT campaign, the initial and uh, the second iteration of that project, um, because we and that work continues as well. Um, although I'm no longer uh, hands on with Facts Not Fear ICT, it was still incredible because the work that I did as a marketing and communications professional is changing the conversation here in Wichita, but also nationally. Yeah. And we were actually, the work that we did was nationally recognized. Was it? Yes, okay. it was nationally recognized as a ways in which you're empowering the community that uh, is most impacted and helping find the solution. And so, um, but but even the example that you shared, we don't intend to ever exclude anyone. One, one of the things that, I'm going to share this, uh, we did a survey after the first iteration. And one of the things that was mentioned is that, Elders did not feel as though they were included. Really? And when I went back and looked at my marketing material, I had used mostly younger people. Now, I had not even realized that this was a blind sight on mine. Right. You know, right. never even recognized this. A piece of that is that when we were talking about COVID-19 and we were talking about the large numbers, it was very, very high for young people mm -hmm. because— there was <laughs> young people were considered the spreaders. Right. They were saying that young people were still going out to, you know, to nightclubs. Young people were not wearing their masks. Young people were doing this and that. And so I took that information and that really did shape what the marketing material looked like and the communications information. But to to have some elders provide feedback in the survey that they didn't see themselves in it, it made me be smarter when on the next go round to where I include people younger and older on the marketing material. And even as I continue to do marketing uh, for my clients, I think about those things. Yeah. So it really did help me even just as a communications professional with realizing that, hey, you know, this is not just about minority. This is not just about, uh, you know, making sure that you're including the faces of, of locals who, you know, because I see, for example, and I'm just giving this as an example, but because I see my local official on there, am I more apt to do that? But what about also making sure that we connect young and older? Yeah. Um, and so just, uh, again, I look at diversity and inclusion and equity completely different after receiving feedback and getting an opportunity to work on a project like this.
is. Yeah, I love that you were receptive yes. to that, yes. recognized the feedback you were receiving, and changed. Absolutely. Changed course. Absolutely. Due to it. Absolutely. And I will also say this with any space that I go into, and I wasn't always receptive. I want to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, you know, uh, I consider communications and marketing professionals artists. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's yeah. easy to be sensitive about things. But if you consider, if you think of anything that you do, any project that you work on, any any project, any uh, piece that you are producing, if you look at it as, you know, I want to make this something that uh, doesn't offend or I want to make this something that helps people, then you can take the emotion out of it. Right. And so, again, I had to learn these things as a professional. I was very sensitive at the very beginning of my career. Now when I get any type of feedback, I'm like, hmm, let me consider this. Mm -hmm. Allow me to consider how this could be perceived or allow me to consider if there are missed opportunities. And so, again, I think that that's just from being in business for the last 12 years um, that allows me an opportunity that that was the first time I said 12 years out loud and then connected to the fact that I've been out of college that long. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting older. It happens. It's a blessing, <laughs> which, you know, OK, so perfect transition. So the last kind of thing I want to talk to you about um, is your mentorship and just what you are instilling in your daughter. So I haven't said this yet on the podcast, but we're, we're doing this as a um a duo double episode, and we will have your daughter Tiana on next week uh, to talk about what she's learned from you, the way that she is embracing her own entrepreneurial spirit, yes. her own leadership spirit, yeah. um, and drive within her community. Because she's what? How old is she? She's fifteen. She'll be 15? sixteen next month. That's incredible. <laughs> she like she just doesn't look like a twenty-one-year-old, but she. I feel like she acts. You know what I mean? Like the stuff she's Everyone doing. Everyone says it, including her aunts and uncles. Yes. <laughs> That yes. is so funny. Yes. So tell me, tell me about Tiana. Tell yes. me about um, your guys' relationship, yes. your hopes for her, yes. your dreams for her. Absolutely. Um, I often tell my daughter this, that I really, truly wish that I had all of the opportunities that she gets. Um, she, you know, again, has watched me, uh, you know, become an entrepreneur. My daughter has been there since the very beginning of my entrepreneurial um, career. Um, I had her while I was a sophomore in college. And so as I've navigated all of these changes, as I've experimented with, <laughs> I really do use the verbiage, experimented with my career. Uh, I she, love that. She has, she has been there. And so um, my daughter is very privileged in the sense of she's never had anyone tell her no. So when she says that she wants to do something, I look to create these different opportunities for her to be able to do that. Um, she is a candidate for Miss Kansas Teen, and it'll be her third year competing. She's also Miss Dockham sit-in for uh, the Juneteenth, for uh, for Miss Juneteenth. Um, this young lady is just uh, very outgoing. She is a child who has... Um, Experience some adversity, but not nearby um, what my generation or uh, or even my family um, was able to overcome. So the skies are truly the limit for her. Uh, she is just one of those young people. She's less shy than I was as well. Really? She's less shy. Um, she will 
try to do any and everything. At one point in time, she was doing sports year-round. Oh, wow. Now she's focusing mostly on basketball. Um, she attends Wichita Southeast High School and was on the team last year when they made history, the first time in 30 years of going to state. Wow. Yes, yes. So it was incredible. incredible. Yeah, it, it really is. And so, um, you know, she was, she was incredibly... Um, immersed in this in this world of being around um, women uh, who are leaders in their community. Uh, she has no shortage of amazing mentors that I've been able to introduce her to, uh, different programs that she's been introduced to, like Destination Innovation. And uh, when, it, when it comes to her, she's just one of those who wants to keep trying things. I'm also glad that she just started driving uh, <laughs> back, you know, so she's, she's driving and she gets herself everywhere she needs to be because at one point in time it was like wait a minute this is crazy I'm like well you're gonna have to carpool with someone because I'm busy doing a ton she's busy doing a ton but the conversations we have in the evening are just the most inspiring and I look at her and it feels like not a mirror it feels as though oh my gosh you know pass the baton she's doing so much more so it's not a mirror. It's it's being like, oh, wow, like this is what it looks like when there's, you know, less barriers, when there's less, you know, m- my parents had me involved in, in, um, in a number of things that I was able to pursue, but there were still limitations based on just the fact that we didn't have a ton of money. Right. And so to watch her not have to worry about those things, it's more so a matter of Tiana, let's look at this calendar. We communicate through calendars. And so it's just like, and she's like, Mom, am I able to do this? I went and looked at the calendar and we're able to do. And so we look at the, we manage the calendar. That was something that I didn't have the skill set to do when I was younger. I just didn't use a calendar. Um, would try to write things down and now I got to go find out, you know, where this was written down and if I have any conflicts. Mm-hmm. She's completely different. She operates, she and I both operate on a calendar system. So we look to see if she's available to be able to go and do different things. And so, I mean, again, just to to see all the amazing things that she's been able to go on and do has just, it keeps me sharp. It keeps yeah. me wanting to continue to do things. And um, my biggest cheerleader, she really truly is, um, she's someone who, as I'm working on design work or anything, she's over my left shoulder looking to see and she's reading it and she's like oh this is pretty cool and she's reading about these people um or if she's looking at layout she's just like you did this layout and uh and she's just like you go girl like you know or like yes queen that's our favorite thing to say and so um again just knowing that she's looking at me keeps me wanting to keep going yes. so yeah got to keep raising the bar because I want her to to do even more yeah, I love yeah. that you said it's not a mirror. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. a a level up, right? Yes. A progression. Like yes. you are trying to, you know, set something up for her yes. so that she can like you said go further. Absolutely. So if Absolutely. if you could say what overall, what is your hope for her? You know, or 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 what would you yeah, what would your ultimate mm-hmm. dream or hope for her as she goes forward? Yes, I just want her to not have doubt in the back of her mind. As I, whether it was going to college or being able to graduate college or embarking on my entrepreneurial career, there were times that I had so much doubt because sometimes it is something that is, uh, it's a trauma response. 
I was used to sometimes there's just some opportunities that you can't take because you don't have the money and you don't have the finances. Sometimes there are um, you don't have someone who you've seen do it. Right. Tiana can't say what I was saying. You know, I didn't have a ton of, you know, I had some mentors. I had some people who I could look to, but not always. And so for me, I didn't necessarily have the blueprint. Tiana has the blueprint. So my wildest dream for her is that she knows no limitations. I want her to do everything that she envisions doing, even if it looks crazy. Because right now, she's wanting to be a news reporter, but she also wants to do professional dance. So right. I'm like, oh, no. Like, are you going to be able to do this? But whatever she wants to do, she has a supportive she has supportive parents, and she also has supportive uh, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and extended family uh, that are telling her that she can do it all. Like, we're like her biggest section, uh, you know, during her pageants that she participates in. We're there. We're yelling. We're, uh, you know, applauding her. And my my brothers, my brothers do not like to be emotional, but when they have seen her compete, it brings tears to their eyes. Yeah. But she's the oldest grandchild out of. I think my my parents have 19 grandchildren now, wow. and she is the oldest. And so <laughs> because of that, she's a role model for them. Yes. So I want her to keep going um, so that she can let them know that it's possible um, and, and continue to inspire them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So she's yeah. she's got that village. Absolutely. Supporting her. She has an amazing village. And, you know, but my proudest, my proudest thing is just the person who she is. Um, there's times that I'll be at her, at her school or I'll be leaving from a game that she has. And another parent will come up to me who I've never met. And they're, you know, tapping me on the shoulder or calling for me and saying, hey, are you, are you Tiana's mom? And they're sharing with me about ways that she stood up for a kid at school or um, that they, that her, their child maybe was having a horrible day or a horrible game and they hear how Tiana talks to them, that she's constantly like in their cheer section or telling them, hey, you know, don't sweat it. You'll get them next time. So to know that that's my child, you know, like it, it's amazing just to know like, you know, academics, I pride myself on telling her like you are a student first and an athlete second. Um but my benchmark for her is not just academics, but it's just like, are you a quality person? Yes. Are you a yeah. quality person? How do you treat people? How do you treat your friends? How do you treat the people who are around? You know, how do you treat those people who might not be, you know, everyone's favorite at school? How do you treat them? And so that matters to me so much. And so to hear to hear those families, uh, you know, share with me or to she comes home and she's telling me about how her day at school went and, you know, she's telling me about, you know, someone not being nice at school, you know, it's always amazing for me to be able to ask her, well, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> and her to yeah. be able to say, you know, well, I told them this, you know, and I told them like, you know, hey, leave people alone, you know, embrace their differences. Like, so again, I can't say enough how much, like that makes me more proud than any games that she helps win, any games that, that she plays or she's, an, she's amazing. She's an honor roll student, but I care more so about like, who are you? The <laughs> you know, human part. what's yeah. your character? What's yeah. your character? So that's beautiful. Yeah. I am so excited to meet her. I yes. just I feel like 
dynamic duo. <laughs> and I just, I love mother-daughter relationships. Thank I you. have a daughter. She's five yes. right now. Yes. Um, I have a daughter. I have an amazing mom. So like yes. just in general, I yes. love seeing that. And yes. I cannot wait to <laughs> talk to her about it as well. She's so. looking forward to it. She loves opportunities like this. Uh, you know, she's gotten some amazing opportunities and when she saw this opportunity come she's just like okay this is amazing this is cool I'm so glad and she she did not mind that we were doing them separate she did not mind she wants her own spotlight give her her moment Yes. I was, that's so good. I was a little afraid she'd be like, who is this? This, this old lady wants to interview no. me for something. No, <laughs> she loves things like this. And uh, it also makes her feel good that she's going, you know, to her mom's school. I'm trying to get her yeah. over at WSU. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get her over at WSU. Here. She can yeah. be a reporter here. Yeah. I mean, we can do all of yeah. that. Yeah. You know what? You be sure to tell her that Ooh, when she's here. I'm putting on my recruiting <laughs> Recruiter, hat. recruiter. I will get her here. You best believe it. Before I taught, I worked in admissions, so I can stick that hat back yes, on really easy. I was a Red WSU admissions for a moment in time. And also, were you? Uh, look, we're trying to still figure out how figure we know out. each other. And it may, when were you over there? I was over there in 05, 05 through maybe 07 or 08. Oh, okay. I, I worked over in college admissions. I was a, I think that they called him at the time, telecounselor. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't there till 2012. Okay. Uh, so we wouldn't have crossed over there. Okay. But I think yeah. we've just been in the same place at different <laughs> I times. I think so too. Over and over and over again. <laughs> well, neither here nor there. Well, I have kept you on for over an hour. So okay. I appreciate you. Um, and I just want to say thank you for coming in. Thank I think you. this has been a great conversation. I've loved getting to learn more about you and hear your story and the way that you are so willing to elevate other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you would like to to say before before I let you go? Yeah, I just want people to you know to strive each day to be their best selves. Um, you know to to just really know that uh, that there's so much that they're able to do. There's going to be some bumps in the road. There are going to be some obstacles that you have to overcome. But you know, but when you get an opportunity to be able to accomplish the things that you set out to do those goals and that vision it's an incredible feeling and and after you get an opportunity to do it you're looking to the next person to find out ways that you can bring them up to so Absolutely. i just encourage people to to really bask in those feelings and think about who they can bring up right after them Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you you to all of you listening. Very much appreciate you you guys tuning in each week. And uh, I will see you next week with Tiana Hardwell, the next generation on Create Space. 